Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Obolewski, and today, a special guest. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited about our special guest today. Yeah. Why don't you introduce him? I, I think he's going to be a, a familiar face to some and, and a new face to others. Yeah. We have on the podcast today, Shannon Schaefer. Shannon is the worship pastor at Auburn Hills Christian Center and uh, in Michigan, and uh, he is my worship pastor. I attend the church where he leads an amazing team. And uh, Shannon has been there a long time. He'll tell us a little bit about that, I think. Uh, but he is just uh, becoming, I think he's becoming a friend of mine. I hope I'm not overstating that, <laughs> Shannon. No. Uh, but uh, we're really delighted to have uh, him on the podcast today. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, Shannon. It's good to be here. Thanks a lot for the invite, guys. Right on. I, I think everybody, you know, because you're going to be a new face, along with a new face comes a new story. So just yeah. in the beginning, Genesis 1-1 of your walk with Christ, like tell, tell us about where'd you first, first meet Jesus? Kind of give us your context. Yeah. So my story is I was raised in a pastor's home, mm. uh, which means I heard about Jesus as, at a very young age. I did surrender my life at the age of five. And during my teen years, I, my the big overview is I kind of was lukewarm. Uh, I loved Jesus. I, I wanted to follow Jesus, but I kind of wandered in my teen years. It wasn't until uh, we were in a revival service when I was 21, 22 years old. And I really made the decision at that time uh, as an adult that this is not my parents' decision. This is my decision. I want to follow Christ. I mean, they had raised me well. It wasn't that at all. It was just that I hadn't really made that decision for myself. And so when I was 21, I rededicated my life to the Lord and um, haven't looked back since. Love it. Love That's it. so good. You know, I uh, your story is so, like I hear it so often, uh, somebody who gives their life to Jesus at a very young age, and then they go through some sort of, I don't know what you would call it in their teenage years, you know, just trying to figure out uh, whether they really believe this stuff or not. Yeah. Uh, almost. And then they come to they come to their own conclusion. And and so often it's a good conclusion like yours. Yes. And uh, it's just so cool uh, to to hear that. We have a special spot in our hearts for pastor's kids because mm -hmm. both Jim and I, I'm not a pastor's kid. I don't believe Jim was a pastor's kid either. I was, a, I was an atheist kid. Similar, but okay. different. Yeah. <laughs> Very religious home. But hopefully he was not a pastor. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, uh, but we just love pastors' kids, and yeah. uh, we're we're grateful for the the good uh, the good ending of that story. Uh, Shannon, somewhere along the way, you heard a call into yeah. ministry. Um, can you describe that for us a little bit? How did that unfold? Yeah, so my story is a little unique in the sense that because my parents were pastors, um, they actually told me this as I was growing up that they prayed over my mom's womb when I was in the womb. And they had felt God told them that I was to be raised as a worshiper. So my story is unique in the sense that I never had to really wonder what my call and purpose was because they actually intentionally raised me to be a worshiper. My mother uh, was the worship pastor of the small church that my dad pastored. And so I was kind of raised to be a worship leader, worship pastor uh, from a young age. 
And it was the blessing was I never had to go through the season of trying to figure out what God created me to do, because all of my training for 18 years was one thing, and that was to worship God on the piano, to learn how to lead people corporately in worship. Uh, and even though I was in that season of lukewarm, I mean, I was still in the church. I was still up on the platform, still doing worship. But it wasn't until, you know, when I was 21 that I just really, really became on fire for Christ in a fresh way. Uh, but that was my story. That's how I came to do what I'm doing. I had this call from the time I was literally in the womb. They raised me and uh, I embraced it. And I said, I want to do this, uh, serve the Lord this way. Did you, did you ever have that kind of Disney princess moment where you're like, I, I don't want to be what you want me to be. I, I want to be something else. I want my own life. Or, or were you always like in on that? on that calling? Was that a hundred percent from the beginning? No. I mean, you know, when you live with the person that's training you up, uh, yeah. obviously there's, there's, there's times where you kind of knock heads, yeah. you know, if I'm playing the piano and she's in the bathroom getting ready and she's like, you missed a note, you, you know, and it was just this constant uh, training all through my life. There was some, there was a season in 13, 14, I was like, I don't even want to play the piano anymore uh, mm -hmm. because it was just becoming like just too much for me. But yeah. uh, I came out of that and, I'm grateful for all the training that I had. And, and uh, I did, like I said, when I submitted my life to the Lord, that's really when I, I felt like this call reignite to just a different level. And, and it really, it was during the, the years of the Brownsville revival mm -hmm. in nine, in the mid nineties, where I saw this model, uh, Lyndall Cooley was the worship pastor in that church. And for yeah. the first time we saw someone playing the keys and, and leading vocally and in most of the models up until that point, you had a song leader and you had an accompanist. Yeah. And so for me, that all of a sudden just it resonated. And I was like, I want to do that. Right so that's on. that's kind of where it really took off. Right on. I love that, too, because from the piano, you can, you know, the Holy Spirit can use you to actually create atmospheres, you know, um, moods, 100%. impressions. You're really moving to a different realm when you have full control, if you will, over that. You're not looking to a keyboard is hoping that she's psychic, you know, and knows where you're going. You can, exactly. you can lead people there right on. So tell us, tell us about where you are now. What are you doing now? And how, how is your story kind of building up to this now in its fulfillment now in its full expression uh, of what you're doing now? Yeah. So uh, for the past 23 years, I've been here in Michigan at a church called Auburn Hills Christian center. Wow. Uh, we're in assemblies of God church and I've served as the worship pastor for the, for those uh, 23 years. Uh, 20 of them have been under uh, my current pastor, uh, Pastor Cal Garcia, yeah. and we enjoy such a great relationship. Uh, my role has expanded over the 23 years to now helping him in some other administrative pastoral roles. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, that is still uh, what I started doing is still my primary calling, my primary uh, responsibility. And um, I can't tell you that there's been another time this past year has been the greatest time of just refreshing. And uh, I still am so in love with what I do. And I know that I read all the time that, you know, about burnout and, you know, if you're in one place too long, yeah. uh, you stagnate and all these things. I feel like I'm on fire and that God is doing something so great in my heart. I couldn't be happier. And I, I'm so content uh, and grateful that the Lord has just allowed me to stay because we've seen so much fruit from being able to stay in a place for a long time. We've been able to see now parents, their kids are now coming up in the, in the worship ministry. You yeah. Know, it, it's just pretty cool. Right. On. Yeah. When you say 23 years, uh, yeah. that strikes me as unusual. Yeah. Uh, 
for a worship pastor or for any pastor for that matter uh, to <laughs> yeah to be have that kind of longevity um mm. what do you what can you tell me about that tell us about that like how yeah and this is off script a little bit but i'm just curious like how did, how did you do how have you done that how have you stayed and been and been fruitful uh for 23 years uh, if I had to give one or two things, I would say that first of all, I knew I know what my calling is, and when you know what your calling is, it's easy to stay in that lane. Yeah. And the second thing is, I was just raised in a in a generation where loyalty was really my father really that was a big thing for him being loyal. So unless I have some reason to leave, um, I just have a loyalty in me mm. that uh, says. The right thing to do is to stay unless God says something other. And mm. at this point, God hasn't. And so have I had to re, uh, you know, figure things out along the way and just kind of like rejuvenate? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Has there been like different versions of Shannon through those 23 years? Absolutely. But God's yeah. helped me and uh, he's given me the staying power. But just knowing the calling, I've been called to these people. And unless God says something, uh, you know, basically audible to me. That's where I'm called. Wow. How did you stay? How did you stay fresh? Because I think yeah. there, I think what I hear you saying is, you know, like that there is, there could be a tendency to get stale. Yeah. Um, how did you do that? How did you stay fresh in the in the calling uh, and not kind of get to a place where you feel like, man, I'm out of I'm out of juice, I'm out of gas, or whatever. How, how did you accomplish? Yeah, the that? truth is, the truth of the matter is that there were seasons that I did stagnate. And okay. if I didn't, if I if I didn't have those, then I wouldn't know what it is to stay fresh. So when you go through those seasons, like you have to find out what is it. Do I need to break away? Do I need to have a mentor or somebody speak into my life? What what is it that I need to refresh my soul so that I can continue to do what God's called me to do? And uh, so you know, different people would come into my life at different times that yeah. would help me along the way, and um, maybe a conference or. Uh, just a uh, just a meeting with God in a revival service or something that would just reignite fire. Um, but definitely there were seasons of, of, you know, you stagnate and then you, you just reinvent yourself and you're like, ooh, I'm coming back and I'm going to do this. But it, it's cyclical. Uh, and I, I don't think there's any way of getting around that. Can I ask a question about that, John, the, the cycle part? So my, my, my question is, you know, the last 23 years, you mentioned Lyndall Cooley and then keep going, right? They're Hillsong, very different sound than Lyndall Cooley. Uh, Bethel, yeah. very different sound than Hillsong. On and on it goes. You you know, I, I'm not saying there's a menu and you have to have every ingredient on on your, your worship menu for every person, but how did you, you know, staying fresh, was that, was it, did it get stale because something got old? And so you had to be refreshed by something new. Did you move from one genre to another during that time or that had nothing 100%. to do with the lyrics? Okay. So it, it is a hundred percent. I mean, we loved for, for years, we were like, we had a choir. So we, Brooklyn Tabernacle yeah. was like something yeah. that we just loved. And yeah. then there was this, then it, there was a change in choirs. You know, it they was. really weren't a thing. And we, when we had to put the choir to rest, man, that was a hard deal for me because I had started that mm -hmm. and it, we ran it 15 years strong. And that was a big wow. deal. So there was seasons like that that, were, that had uh, musical influences, but there was also seasons spiritually where yeah. I was not maintaining the fire. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do, uh, well, you know, backstage. Right. Yeah. So you went from the full orchestra, choir robe, 
you know, coming out of the eighties, uh, uh, music into a guitar and a candle and, uh, you know, overhead projectors through led screens, huge changes. Right. And, and did you huge. kind of, we call that the great hymnal wars of the 1990s. Did you, do you, did you kind of experience some of that? Well, every time there's change, people don't, yeah. they, they want to hear the song that, that they were singing when they got saved, when they got filled with yes. the spirit, when they got called to ministry, when they, when they met with God at that tabernacle on the sawdust floor, they want, they want to keep that that going and you're the one that says no actually we're moving forward for the next generation how have you handled that the opinions yeah, well, of man is I, the, i've struggled know. i mean i struggled through it because there was no yeah. manual on that you know, like they didn't give yeah. me the manual when i started on how to navigate that yeah. uh so i struggled through that i looked to mentors looked to people that were a little older than me how do you know how are we how are we going to work through this in a way that's healthy for the whole body uh and then personally i struggled because i'm the same way uh pastor jim i i, yeah. I, I like a certain sound yeah. And so yeah. for me, I had to really be intentional to reach down to the next generation and say, hey, you're going to have to help me because as yeah. we're pivoting, I'm not liking what I'm hearing. In fact, I think there's a lot of garbage that's coming out right now because they're just overproducing things so fast. Yeah. And so I'm. this is my mindset, you know, during these transitions, yeah. this is just no good. Yeah. And I had to wrestle through that. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't just the people, it was me too. Yeah. Uh, but having different, gen we're multi-generational. So that definitely helps. Right, right, right. You know, uh, Shannon, we've we've noticed in the past couple of years uh, an increase, at least in our network of pastors that we we help, and by the grace of God, you know, we've been able to help quite a few. Um, but we've noticed this uptick in turbulence with senior pastors and their worship pastors, and. Uh, whether it's over, you know, we're talking about worship styles, right? Whether it's over worship styles, um, which, I mean, kind of an understanding. But the other thing that we're noticing is conflict over who's in charge. Yeah. Um, and uh, which I think is a more serious thing probably than the worship yeah. style piece. Um, from your perspective, I wonder what might be some contributing factors to this, what we're seeing. Uh, this this turbulence. What what are your thoughts? Well, give me a give me a minute. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, okay, let me just throw out a few ideas and then follow up with the one you know that kind of strikes you. But I don't pretend to have a one size fits all answer on this one. Obviously, there's okay. different situations, different levels of communication, uh, different levels of expectations that people are coming into these relationships with. I personally have had an amazing relationship with my pastor. I would not had that so. I've heard, though, from a lot of my uh, peers that are in other churches, several themes that seem to come up. Yeah. But I will say yeah. this. A couple of weeks ago, we had a young man uh, from a ministry school come in, and here's what he said. And it really struck me, and I think this, this will help somebody. Uh, he said this, I went to ministry school to learn to be a pastor, and they taught me how to become more like Jesus first. And mm. he said that my my primary ministry that I'm being taught about is how to be more like Jesus before I operate in any calling. Mm. And I think therein lies the key between these relational struggles. We need to continually become more like Jesus. There you go. Uh, right. So that's that's that that's an overarching theme. But here are some specific things that I have seen and heard that could contribute to the, some of these turbulences. First of all, fear, fear and uh, fear and insecurity. On the part okay. of lead pastors and on the part of worship pastors. 
Oh, so you mean there general... there are actually you mean there are actually insecure lead pastors? I didn't know that. <laughs> he just told on us. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, and I don't. I'm not trying to call anybody out. I just know this is this know. the reality. It's yeah, the reality it's, behind it's closed so. doors. Yeah. What I'm hearing, you know, from people that are going through really tough situations is behind closed doors. Sometimes lead pastors are not treating their staff the same way that they do publicly. Mm-hmm. Now, that can become a tipping point and all of a sudden create a rift. So that's one area that we need to really pay attention to. On the worship pastor side, I would say this, that some of them just don't understand their role mm-hmm. in what their okay. relationship is to the lead pastor. And they've yeah. built little kingdoms and they don't want anybody to touch their kingdom, give them any, uh, have any accountability. And what I mean by that is I was trained and raised to understand, and, and this is very important, that the lead pastor is placed there by God as the authority over a body. And as the lead pastor, he is also the worship pastor. He is the children's pastor. He is the youth pastor. Mm. I am simply an extension of his authority. Mm. And when I understand that I am an extension of his authority under God, then these rifts that we hear about, if you have that firmly seated in your mind, a lot of that stuff goes away because these power wars we're hearing about is because somebody has the wrong idea that I'm in charge of the music, you're in charge of the preaching, you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side. That is not correct. That's not how God set things up. Right. Man, that's good. That's good. I I think that that vision, right, that, you know, I have a vision for a great worship team and we're going to write music and we're going to travel the world and we're going to basically use your platform on Sunday to develop our abilities to, mm. to, do, to do the greater things we want to do. And I you know, versus you have a vision and my calling is to help accomplish that, that vision. I think that's, that's very different. So um, talk, talk to worship leaders, would you, for just a minute, people that have been, people are in that position, but maybe they're 20 something, you know, maybe as many years as you've been in your position, that's, that's, they haven't even been alive that many years and they're, but they're the guy that shows up on time and they're the gal that shows up on time and they have a ministry, but I, I think you're certainly in the position now to speak as a father to sons and daughters, not just a, a son, you know, so speak to the worship leaders. What, what sort of advice would you give them, especially as it pertains to this, this authority piece? So they're, they have to report to somebody, yeah. a senior pastor or an admin, but what, what advice can you give them beyond what you just said, you know, to help, help make them successful and that vision, the vision of the church prosper? Yeah, you know, I wish I wish we could say that every person is going to be in a healthy environment. Yeah. But uh, you know, Converge Coaching ex- exists to help people that are not in healthy yeah. environments, right? So yeah. there are absolutely unhealthy environments out there. But I would say this: um, what I just said a moment ago is is really key. Yeah, I need to become more like Jesus personally. Um, every person needs to become more like Jesus before we look at other people, look at callings, look at offices and roles. That's the primary ministry is to become more like Jesus. Unity is more important than anything else. I believe that the Holy Spirit can do more in a body that has unity than has great giftings, great talents and all these things, but they have divisions, right? So unity has to be protected. And I was reading this morning, actually, in in my devotional time, Psalm 119 says this, it says, great peace have they who love thy law because, and nothing shall offend them. And I, I feel like the more that we love the word of God, uh, so if you're a young person, you're, you're getting going to this thing, the word of God is like 
it has to, you have to be consuming it because it helps you to keep a fence away. It helps you to keep some of these unhealthy things that maybe you didn't create. It helps you to deal with those. So you don't pick that up and carry that into, and then just, you know, carry that into a Sunday service. Uh, yeah. So those are some of the things that I say, unity, becoming more like Jesus and just guarding your heart. Like a proverb says, above all else, guard your heart, heart because it is the wellspring of life. Um, we have to really do that like intentionally every day because the enemy is out there trying to create wedges. And if we know that there's a plan, we got to, we got to be aware of what that plan is and sidestep that. Right on. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. John, do you want to, you want to wrap us up uh, time-wise? You have another question? Yeah, I, I, I do actually a couple. I uh, just a comment and then, a, and then another question for you. And then, Jim, I'll have you uh, yeah. bring us uh, to the end here. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me. You didn't say the word discipleship, Shannon, but it, but you did. Mm-hmm. You said, I need to become more like Jesus. We need to become more like Jesus. It's, it's funny how many of the problems the local church experiences come all the way back to discipleship. Yeah. In so many ways, it's it, it's a it, 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 and I don't want to oversimplify things, but in many ways, most of the problems are discipleship issues, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think you know that's what I heard. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I think that's what 100%. I heard. From you. Would, would you 100%. concur? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And uh, I, and let me just say this too: that it's important to understand. Um, and I've experienced this, so I need to become more like Jesus. But there's this tremendous pressure that are on worship pastors right now, especially in churches that are you know small, medium-sized churches, to be like churches that are mega churches that have budgets and talent that you yeah. know we just don't have. There's right. this internal pressure. There's this external pressure, and sometimes we start focusing more on the the music and the the systems. And we forget about this this piece that we're talking about, which is the heart of the matter. It's that being a disciple of Jesus first. Let yeah. those other things fall into place after that. Uh, and then here's the question I had: What would you what would you advise lead pastors uh, in relationship to how they interact with their worship pastors or worship leaders? I mean, so we we kind of looked at it from the worship leader's side, but what what would you tell a a lead pastor would be helpful to hear from okay. them? Or what does a what does a worship pastor need from them in order Listen, to over? Function? Let me just say, over twenty three years, I have come up with some crazy ideas. All right, I would say the one thing that a wor- that a lead pastor can help a worship pastor is let them be creative and don't mm-hmm. edit every single idea that they come up with in the moment. Let them dream. Let them be who, I mean, some of these things are like who we are. We feel really passionate about it. And if everything is edited in the moment all the time, I can see how someone could become, you know, discouraged. And so I think what we need is we do need encouragement. We need healthy encouragement. Um, and we need, we also need uh, lead pastors that that know what's going on on the inside. Because a lot of times, you know, we'll stand up there and we'll look like everything's put together. But inside, um, maybe we're feeling super insecure. Um, or we got a comment from the parishioner that said, you know what, uh, I didn't really like the song you chose, or I didn't like the volume. And, and so we're dealing with that one negative comment. And yeah. and we really need the encouragement. We we, we do need that from our lead pastors. Uh, and just how am I doing internally? How's my soul care uh, doing? Th- those kinds of things, I think, are sometimes overlooked. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's like sometimes we, you know, we lose touch with the people on our team as humans. Mm. Yes. You know, we, we forget they're not cogs in a machine, mm. but they're real people with real problems and pain and responsibilities yes. and hopes and dreams and all of that. And remembering that, um, as a, I would say this to lead pastors, I'm not a worship pastor, but I would say this to lead pastors, making sure that the people on your team know that you are interested in them. Yeah. And you care about them beyond the professional side of what they do, the ministry side of what they do. You actually yes, care yeah. about their marriage and their mm. family and their, and you mentioned it, their self-care, their, their well-being. Um, Shannon, I'm wondering if you'll join us for another one, because we've got a whole bunch of other questions we'd like to ask you. Would you join us for another podcast? For sure. Absolutely. My pleasure. Right. Great. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. And Shannon, John, thank you for the questions, the answers, the wisdom. It's really, it's a, it's a complex thing. Anything, anything that's alive, especially when it deals with art, is going to be infinite. So to have to have categories, guidelines, best practices laid out by someone who's been doing this for for decades is a, is a wonderful gift. So thank you to both of you for your gifts and how you share them today. We look forward to next week. So if there's anything we can do for you at Converge, that is our heart to do something for you. What can we do? How can we help? And uh, we'll give you 30 minutes for free just by going to convergecoach.com and, and hitting that button and we'll, we'll connect and we'll spend some time. So God bless you. Thanks again to everybody who watched, everybody who's listening, everyone who spoke. Um, God is using this in, in a neat way to really encourage people. We keep hearing stories about it was the right thing in the right place at the right time. So thank you to both of you. Thank you everyone who's listening for being the right thing, the right person, right place, right time as you continue to lead from alignment.